0: Uh, we've been talking about the love of God. And uh, we know that God doesn't just have love. How many of you know God is love? And that very same love that God is and God has is poured forth into our hearts by the Holy Ghost the moment we get born again. Amen. The very same love, the very uh, divine, supernatural love, not human love, It's a divine love that can be sacrificial. It can give when it's not receiving anything in return. It's been poured forth into our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Praise God. And that's why it's so important that we learn to flow and and walk with the Holy Ghost in our everyday lives. Praise God. And uh, we don't have time to go over everything that I've shared uh, in all the different services, but you can actually go online and look at it. Uh, you can uh, uh, download the uh, PowerPoints and all that to uh, kind of catch up with us. But uh, I want to address something about the love of God that's kind of an unusual thing, but it's also a part of, of the love of God. And it's, it's kind of framed in uh, various verses. I'm going to start with the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews chapter 1, when it's speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, it says about him, you know, when he was, uh, you know, God you know, gave, extended his scepter of righteousness toward him. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 9, it says, Thou hast, watch this, loved righteousness. In other words, you love what was right. How many of you know when you love, you should love what's right? Amen. And right defined by what God says is right. Amen. So you should be a lover of truth. You should be a lover of what's right. Just like Brother Robert exhorted us about tithing. Tithing is a right thing. It's, it's a good thing. Amen. We don't have to be ashamed of that. Uh, so we love what's right. But then notice it says, not only that, it says, and hateth iniquity. Now this is the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so love not only loves what's right, but it also has just the opposite uh, emotion and, and, and affection, it hates what is evil. And it says that because of that, it says, therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. In other words, he had an anointing that caused him to stand above the crowd. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe part of carrying an anointing, which is power, the power of God in our life, we've got, to, we've got to love what God loves and we've got to hate what God hates. Got to get a better amen there. Amen. <laughs> amen. Uh, we, we do somewhat of a good job. Most, uh, most Christians do a good job on loving what is right, but they're kind of lacking on hating what is evil. Amen. And we, we almost kind of like stay away from that because we don't want to be promoting hate towards people. Well, we're not talking about hate towards people. We're talking about hating what is evil and hating what is wicked. And the reason why, it's the Bible says part of the fear of the Lord is to hate what is evil. You know, it's a part of, of walking in respect for God that you hate what is evil. And when you think about hate, it's the opposite of love, of course. But you think about love makes you turn towards things. You, you love God. You t- when you accepted God, you loved him. You turned toward him. You're in church today. You love God. You turn toward church today. You love God. You turn toward his word. Amen? Because you love his word and the work of God. Most of the people in this church are workers in the house. Well, you turn towards working for God because you loved God. So so love causes you to turn toward what is right. But love also causes you to turn away from what is evil. And the most powerful way to describe turning away from something is is to hate it. See, because you turn away, are repulsed by what you hate. See, and it takes that to walk in anointing in this earth. You know, when you hate something, you, you you just turn away from it. And that's what we're supposed to have developed in us. We should turn away from what is evil. We should turn away from what is wrong. Amen. Not, not preferences, not our own theories, opinions, and ideas, but what God says is evil. Right. Right. What God said is wicked. Right. Can you say amen to that? Amen. See, whenever we talk about God hating, the object of his hatred is always sin and wickedness. Right. He does not want us to have any affection in us towards sin and w- wickedness. And the strongest thing that you can put against that uh, any sin and wickedness, the strongest affection you can put against that so that you'll turn away from it is hatred. Amen. So we are allowed to hate. We don't hate people, but we hate what is evil and we hate what is wicked. Right? We should develop a hatred for sin. How many of you know God doesn't just dislike sin. He hates sin. There's no, no compatibility, no, no negotiating with God when it comes to sin. He hates sin. He hates sin. And to, that's the God, remember we said, who is love. Right? Isn't God love? But God hates. So if we're going to have the love of God in us, we've got to hate too. Not people, hear, hear me clearly, but we've got to hate what is evil. Why? Because he wants us to turn away from it. He wants us to turn away from everything that's sin. He wants us to turn away from everything that's wickedness. Sin will not do you good. Wickedness will not do you you good in your life. It'll only hurt your life and even cause you to hurt other people. Can you say amen to that? Go over with me, if you would, to the book of Proverbs. And the book of Proverbs Proverbs lists specific things. And We're just going to do like a little flyby. I won't have time to go into each one of these. But it lays out specifically certain things that God hates and certain things that are uh, an abomination to him, kind of make him puke. In verse 6, sorry to gross you out there before lunch, but uh, 616 Proverbs says, these six things, look at this. I want you to look at it with your eyes. Doth the Lord hate? That's the Lord, right? Right? And he says, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. I mean, totally repulsive. Totally repulsive. God has repulsion. Think about that. God has hate. Aren't you glad he hates all the things that hurt your life, that they're not going to be a part of heaven? There's going to be a total separation from everything that hurts you because God hates it and he's not going to make it a part of our future. Amen. Our future is only good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. But God is not going to allow that to be around those that he loves. Aren't you glad for the separation? Aren't you glad we're not going to have to deal with rapists, uh, killers, murderers, thieves? That's, that's, they're not going to be a part. If, they want to be, if that's what they want to do in their life, God hates those things. They're not going to be a part of what God loves. And that's you and that's me. There's a clear separation called heaven and hell. Yes, amen. amen? Praise God. Amen. You know, if you say amen, the, the, the truth will go down a little smoother. <laughs> it's like the sugar to the medicine. <laughs> amen. What's that song? A spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Medicine go down. Medicine go down. Amen. Wasn't that Mary Poppins or something like that? How many of you remember Mary Poppins? You know where she was saved and filled with the Holy Ghost? Oh, I don't know. I just I I just made that up. Fake news, sorry. It was bad. I don't know if she was or she wasn't. But I pray that she was. It's available to everybody, even Mary Poppins. (laughs) These six things, does the Lord hate, (laughs) seven are an abomination unto him. I I love it that people trust me so much. They think everything that I say, I would never, I would never say an untruth. So I kind of play with that a little bit. Please forgive me. Real quick, right now, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Forgive me. He, then he, he listed, he says, a proud look, you know, someone that's haughty, uh, a lying tongue, and then, and hands that shed innocent blood. There must be hands that shed guilty blood. That, this would be murder, homicide. Yeah. Not killing in time of war, self-defense, or... Capital punishment because there's other scriptures that say he, he condones that. But anyway, it says, Hands that shed innocent blood and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. I always wonder why would that, you know, God hate that. Well, because feet that are swift in running to mischief indicate premeditation. That as soon as the opportunity comes, they, they seize upon it but it's because of prethought, And when that's going on, you couldn't be in fellowship with God. So he hates that. He hates those things that break people's fellowship with him. He says, uh, feet that are swift in running to mischief. See, some people don't sin because, simply because they lack the opportunity. But when the opportunity presents itself, then their feet are swift to run to it. Well, holy people, righteous people should be able to have the opportunity presented and we, we run the opposite direction. He says, then a false witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among the brethren. So those are the things specifically. There's, there's I think, in one, uh, one of the Bibles, it's got you know, 19 or 20 different things that God specifically says that he hates. It would do good just to read that sometime see what God doesn't like. And we shouldn't like anything on that list. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. And I'm not teasing you. I mean, can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. Hallelujah. We, we should all uh, hate what God hates, but we should also love what God loves. Now, Psalm 97, verse 10, I believe you all love the Lord, amen. right? It's evidence you're here today. You don't You don't go to church because you don't love the Lord. You go to church because you love the Lord. Right? But Psalm 37, or 97, excuse me, that's right. Psalm 97, verse 10, talking of you. It says, Ye that love the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, Hey, ye. Hey. He's talking to you. Right? This, he tells you to do this, hate evil. If you're a ye, you need to hate evil. And it adds to preserving the souls of his saints. It adds to their deliverance out of the hand of the wicked. Right? Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Hating evil will keep you out of things that are going to hurt your life. You know, if you, you're, you don't ever have to worry about, you know, if you turn away from things you hate, you're not in the wrong place at the wrong time. You, you, you stay on a path that's safe for your life. Amen. we got to teach our kids to love God, but we also got to teach them to hate. Because that, in that hating, they're going to turn away from things that they, they shouldn't be exposed to. Amen. So we need to do that. Amen. Praise God. Now Isaiah talks about a time in that day, speaking of a culture, that they were really far away from God. And it, it, God pronounces woe, a woe, a wailing, like a lamentation upon them, like a, a woe of grief, a, a like, oh, oh, a painting inside. That's when the Bible says woe. It's not like a horsey woe. It's, it's, it's a woe of grief and grieving. Isaiah has a bunch of them. I think there's six of them listed there. But one of the ones he. he he uh, lists that is a woe is in verse 20 where it says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. In other words, they have distorted values. See, they're calling what God calls evil, they're calling it good. And then they're calling what God says good as evil. We're, that's, that's what's happening in the last days. And then it says uh, that, that, put light, that put darkness for light. They substitute thinking, theories, whatever, for this, the Bible. How many of you know the word is light? Right. This should trump everything. Amen. This should be our highest authority, this should be our highest loyalty. Not, not our feelings, not our past, not our affiliation. Uh, nothing should have a higher authority over our life than the truth of God's word. Amen. Everybody has something that's a final authority, but we're supposed to allow it to be the light of God's word. Amen. Amen. And, and it says that they, they put darkness for light. So they, 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 they have a standard they go by, but it's not the light. And then they put light for darkness. Try to make something that's dark sound like it's light. That's it's a twisting. They put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. What is that? It's really he's talking about a nation. I don't believe it's just America, I believe it's the world. But it's a nation that when they get their heart of, of the people of the nation get away from God, what's, what's the result of hearts away from God in people as a whole is that distorted values take over in the culture. Distorted values. That, that's a distortion, right? You can't put good for evil, evil for good, darkness for light, light for darkness, bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter. And the woe is basically, you know, it's going to bring the anger of the Lord. Look look down at verse 25 after it went through all of those um, different woes. You can read the chapter. You know, verse 24 at the end, it says, Because the law of the Lord, which defined what was right and wrong and evil, they despised it. And it says, Therefore is the anger of the Lord... Kindled against his people. And he hath stretched forth his hand against them and hath smitten them. That last verse says, for all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Even though there was judgment on them, he was still wanting them to turn back. It wasn't judgment to cast them off. It was judgment to get their attention because if they don't, they're going to end up in doom. right. Right? But... It kindled the anger of the Lord. So God has love. God is love, but also has hate, and he expresses it in anger. But it's always against sin and wickedness, Amen. right? And it's usually over a long period of time where people, the, the only remedy is judgment of some sort. Well, that culture there, it says, woe unto them that call evil good, good evil. Well, that can, that can happen in our day. We call something good evil something evil that's good. Can you say amen to that? Amen. that? You know, we can have a nation of distorted values. So I want you to think about that, and I'm going to address the subject of what about abortion? What, what, is, what does God say about that? Now, I'm not going to get up here and just foam with the mouth and just kind of rant and rave and just show you a bunch of emotion. I want you to just follow along with me as though we're in a court and I'm the attorney and I'm presenting some evidence. Come on, and don't judge until you hear the evidence to draw your conclusion. I want The first thing, I'm going to give you two premises, kind of a thought, a forethought that will lead to a conclusion. And the, the, the thought would be, and you would agree with it, is it, It is wrong to murder a person. How many of you would agree with that? How many of you would say by an upraised hand, it is wrong to murder a person? How do we know that? Well, the first time we hear about it is we know when Cain killed Abel and that he was judged for it. But then God specifically lays out before the law that he gave Moses. Look at this in Genesis 9, 6. It says, Whoso, this is right after the, the judgment of the flood, and they come out of the ark, and this is before the law of Moses. Why are you saying that, Pastor? Well, because some people then will discount truths because they say, well, that, we're not under the law. But this is the law of God's, this is an eternal law from God's heart that was before the law of Moses. Well, look in verse 6 says, Whoso sheddeth, or actually uh, verse 5, it says, And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast, will I require it, and at the hand of man, and at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he May he man. See, what, what, what that's for is that God values life. And unless, unless there was some deterrent to that which would take life, mankind in his fallen state would kill everybody. Be like the days of Noah. Right? So there's a deterrent put out to stop the killing of innocent people, hands that shed innocent blood. This is, this is uh, whoso sheddeth man's blood. This is like murder, homicide. You know, there's a difference in classifications. Some people uh, die because of negligence, or we would call it in our laws manslaughter. That's because it wasn't intentional, but it still caused a death. How many of you know in our legal system there's a penalty separate for manslaughter versus murder? And then there's different classifications when it comes to murder. Some is premeditated, you know, in different degrees, right, to where we fit the, crime, fit the punishment to the crime. That's really what the Bible's talking about, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Right. It's not talking, well, you know, cut the guy's hand off. What it's, what it's saying is make the punishment equal to the crime, good work, good work. right? Amen. You wouldn't want to execute somebody because they stole some Skittles from the dairy mart down here or the... Right, but they should. There should be consequences. First of all, they shouldn't be eating those anyway. Uh, but maybe they were tempted. I went to court this past week. Wasn't me, but I was. Aren't you glad about that? I got to stop that stealing, man. That's bad. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. no. But I went, someone that was there that needed some support and went there. And uh, this lady, it was so, it was terrible that people would have to end up in situations like that. It was just terrible. Because most of the cases there were all senseless. Yeah. They were actually dumb choices. I mean, really dumb Really, uh, totally unnecessary. (laughs) And I was like, "Oh my gosh, oh my gosh." Well, one, one, one lady. She was. Can you imagine? She's. She was forty-three years of age. She had a good job, and she was stealing from Target. And she stole about one hundred eighty-five dollars worth of goods. She fled. She fled, you know. Left the. She never took the goods out of the store, but she fled, and she was apprehended. Well, then, you know, she didn't get what she stole, right? So, didn't pay. She got thrown in jail, right? Or she got apprehended and had to had to be arrested. Then, uh, she ended up paying court costs and a fine that was close to about two hundred dollars. So she got fined, basically equal to what her uh, her theft was. And but the judge was very merciful, and he, the, the woman didn't know why she did what she did. She just had a compulsion. So then the judge started interrogating, are you on some sort of medication or or whatever?" And she said, "Well, yeah, uh, but you know, I, I don't know why I did what I did." Well, here is a 43 year old woman having to go to jail for a night then coming before the judge for some impulsive act. She never had a prior record, never did that before in her life. What came over her? Well, there's a devil loose out there. He tempts people. They don't see it, right? And they act upon those impulses. And then they they could ruin their life. Another girl was on her way getting a degree in... uh, What's a dietitian? Uh, nutrition. nutrition, yeah. And she was within a you know a quarter or semester of graduating, and here she got arrested for possession of marijuana. And uh, the judge was saying, you know, why would you want this on your record? Having to go get a job, the career job that you've been working hard to get to, just for this. And it was like, didn't make sense. Didn't make sense. You know? Why don't you just quit the marijuana, get your degree, get your job, and go on with your life. That's kind of like what the judge was saying. But it was like, you didn't think this one through, did you? You know? So it was like, it was an eye-opener. It was a real eye-opener. One guy got thrown in jail. (laughs) And um, he just kept evading the law. He thought that if he didn't show up in court, he, that, that nothing would ever happen. This was like a 50, close to 60-year-old man. And he thinks he's going to evade the law. Like they're going to keep allowing these violations to go on. And they went out and got the guy. And then, he, then he, he gives this excuse. He gives this excuse. How did I get off on this? He gives this excuse, well, I didn't know I was supposed to go to court, to appear in court. And she, the judge says, "Did you get a ticket?" "Yeah, for driving without a license." "Did you read the ticket?" "At the bottom of the ticket is the court date." "Did you get the ticket?" "Yeah, I got the ticket." "Well, the ticket says you have a court date." (laughs) "So I can't believe you didn't know you had a court date." "Don't lie to me." He ended up going and spending the night in jail. And had he just appeared in court when he first was summoned, he didn't have any prior. Issues, and he was going to just fine, fine her. The fine was going to be $1,000. She was going to reduce it by $900. It was going to be a $100 fine. Wow. He ended up spending a day, a night in jail, having to come out in prison fatigues, chains on his arms, and the embarrassment of all that for just, all he had to do was go to court. Fix it. So, it was quite shocking. Well, let's go to another verse. I'm running out of time here. Exodus 20, verse 13, we know that the law says, Thou shalt not murder, right? You know, when the Bible says, Thou shalt not kill, it's actually, Thou shalt do no murder. Verse 13, Thou shalt not kill. When Jesus quoted the law, he said, thou shalt do no murder. And that's the accurate way to, discuss, to describe it. So, you know, murder and killing are two different things in the word of God because killing in time in self-defense had another classification. Uh, capital punishment that God designed was another form of, of killing. And then killing in time of war in defense of your country uh, is, is legitimate according to the scriptures. So what this is talking about, what's the difference between killing and murder is murder is hands that shed innocent blood. Hands that shed innocent blood, which is among one of the things that God hates. So... I can go through all, all, a whole bunch of other scriptures, but just for the sake of time, we're just going to move on. How many of you would agree it's wrong to murder a person? Yes. Yes. How, how many of you are totally persuaded? Yes. All right, it's wrong to murder a person. Well, the unborn is a person. Yes. And there's a, a tons of biblical truths uh, m- more numerous than I could list today that reveal per, a person. That's in that womb. Look at this. Here's 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 the reason why I come to that conclusion. Uh, Luke one forty four. Luke one forty four. Actually, the first. Person to recognize Jesus was an unborn child. In Luke: 144, this is the story uh, between Elizabeth and Mary, and they're visiting, and it says uh, the, the announcement of the birth, it says, in verse 44, "For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe." leaped in my womb for joy. This was John the Baptist. And the word babe there is the word brephos. It's the word child. And the child, it's called a child, and it's in the womb. So, and the child leaped in my womb for joy. That's a human characteristic. Right? So, the the child leaped in my womb for joy. Right? Look in Job ten eighteen. I go to the book of Psalms and just go backwards. And it's it's Job talking about basically uh, his being in the womb, and he's, he's, he's sharing a truth here. He says, Wherefore, when thou hast brought me forth out of the womb, wherefore, in other words, why did you bring me forth out of the womb? Oh, that I had given up the ghost, and no eye had seen me. Oh, I had given up the spirit, and no eye had seen had seen me. This is not Casper the ghost. This is the, the word ghost, there is the word breath and spirit. So, what he's saying is, in the womb, I, I had a spirit. I had spirit in the womb. I, I think it's Isaiah 46, 46 says that God giveth the spirit to them that dwell upon the earth. When does God give the spirit? Conception. Why? Because that's when life starts. Amen. Life is conceived. Amen. Amen. So so here it's got personal and spiritual attributes. And it's talking about something that's in the womb. Look at this in Judges 13. Judges thirteen. And uh, this is the story of Samson and Samson's birth. And his his dad was Manoah and his wife at first was barren and and couldn't have a child. And it says in verse 3, 13, 3, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, Thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and you conceive before you bear it, right? The, before you birth it. There's got to be a conception before there's a birth. Right? But from the time of conception, God is saying, don't take alcohol or anything unclean, because they're under the law back there. They're under the law, and even the Nazarite vow, that even from the womb, that which is conceived in you, is under that law. So God considers it alive, subject to the law. So you as the mother with the womb don't do things that violate the law because you're carrying something in you that has to adhere to that law. From the womb. From the womb. Look. Now therefore, beware, I pray thee, drink not wine, nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God, a certain group separated unto God, from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So if he wasn't alive, why would he be required to, for that law to be governing? If that which was in her womb was not human, why would it be subject to being governed by the law? you have to be alive, right, to be subject to the law. Am I right? Well, is it alive? Some say the thing that's in the womb, in the human womb, it's not alive. I say, if it's not alive, then why do you need to abort it? Simply leave it alone. Because if it's not alive, just leave it alone. But see, that won't go along with their thinking, because they know if it's alive, it's going to fully develop to become a fully developed human being. So when is it alive? And what does abortion do? It's taking that life. It's terminating the life. Right? If it's not alive, just leave it alone. Why do you need to abort it? Just let it go. It won't die on its own. Preaching better than you're saying amen. Look at this, Matthew chapter 1. Jesus is, is called a child. And it's at the, at the conception that the Holy Ghost uses that term. It says that now the birth, verse chapter Matthew 1, 18, says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, When as his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found, look at this, calls it a child. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. So the Bible calls it a child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, uh, her husband being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Excuse me, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her. What is conceived in her? A child. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. With child of the Holy Ghost. Conceived in her of the Holy Ghost. So it calls Jesus a child. And she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus and he shall save his people from their sins. Verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with. So it's a child in the womb. Well, it's not a child till it comes out. No, this, that's contrary to scripture. Scripture calls it a child in the womb. Amen. Praise God. Now we all, we already looked at uh, Luke one forty four, but look in Genesis twenty five. <clears throat> in Genesis twenty five, it's the story of Esau and Jacob. Right, and uh, uh, Genesis twenty five twenty one it says that and Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord and the Lord was entreated of him and Rebekah, his wife conceived. So God answered the prayer and conception took place. Amen. Amen. That's when life begins, and the children the children after conception, struggled within her. Calls them children in the womb, struggling. Right? It doesn't say an appendage. It doesn't say tissue. It said children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said unto her, Two Peoples, nations, are in thy womb. And two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other, uh, than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, uh, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red and all over, and hairy, uh, like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was three score years old when she bare him. If you, I think there's a counterpart verse to that in the book of Hosea, either 12.3 or 11.3, it talks about, that it t- talks about this incident and it says he took, he took hold of his brother in the womb. So he's called a brother in the womb. Those are human descriptions. That, that's what you would call a human person. Look at 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 11. Even Bathsheba gives us some truth about this. Look at this. Second Samuel 11.5 says, how many of you know what David had relations with Uriah the Hittite's wife, Bathsheba? Right? So it's illegitimate, you know, but it still has a right to live. Uh, And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, verse 4, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived, and sent and told David, and said, I am with child. So, and the woman conceived, and she says, I am with child. So at whatever point she recognized she was pregnant, she says, it's a child. Yeah. And there's no correction in Scripture saying, no, 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 no. No, it, it, it actually calls it a child. Here's the most, I think, the most powerful. Look in Exodus 20, 21. Is this all right? Exodus 21, and <clears throat> it's talking about, it'll show you that the same punishment for murdering an adult would be the same punishment for murdering a child. And the law considered uh an unborn as a person, and you know, with the rights to equal protection. Even even if it's a, it was an accidental uh, death, it was still had a punishment attached to it. And the context of this Exodus twenty one is, uh, it's it's talking about. Uh, people who kill others, and then the consequence for it, either a death penalty or some other punishment. And prior to this, is talking about a guy that kills his servant and uh, isn't given the death penalty. And and basically, it's it's showing that it it wasn't a uh, uh, it was worthy of a punishment, but not capital punishment. And then after it, it's the same same thing. So what I'm going to read to you in verses 22 and 23 is in the context of people that should be punished with the death penalty but are spared, and then others that are punished with the death penalty. And so it gives a case in verse 22. It says, if men strive and hurt a woman with child, so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow. What he's saying is, men get in a fight, they hurt a woman with child, so that her fruit depart. It's, it, if the child is born prematurely as a result of that accident, and no harm follows, meaning the child lives, then a fine is to be exact is exacted. So even if it's accidental there's still a consequence to it. Right? However, you'll see if harm follows which is either death to the mother or death to the child then the guilty party is put to death. Look. It says yet no mischief that's what it means no mischief follow. That means they die. It says, according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, he will uh, pay as the judges determine. In other words, like civil penalties. And if any mischief follow, that would be death, then thou shalt give life life for life. Life for life. Life for life. Now think about if God exacts a punishment for accidental death of an of an unborn child what would you think of death by choice no. The devil is a master of semantics He always from the very beginning he always rephrases re terms re twists meanings to give a thought. He is a master of semantics. This is, this is what, it, what is, this, the whole chapter is about is, if you read through this, you'll see that there are some people who commit acts that cause death, but it's death due to negligence. There's a different penalty for it, but there's still a penalty. But then there's death that's more willful, and it has a penalty, and that's the severe penalties. Well, what does God hate? Well, hands that shed innocent blood, right? Hands that shed innocent blood. Look in Jeremiah 1, verse 5. God says that those that are in the womb, they're known and called by God even before birth. I just just think about there's over you're close to depending on who you who you look at either the uh, the CDC Center for Disease Control or there's only two uh, institutions that really keep track of these figures. One is the Guttmacher Institute, and, and one of them's higher than, than the other in their stats, only because there's no law for reporting the numbers. So we don't know how many if these these are accurate up or down, but they do keep track of the ones that they that are actually you know recorded. And some would say close to sixty million babies have been aborted. Just think about that after you read this scripture. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So God had a plan for the life before conception. How many callings of humans that should have been walking this earth have been aborted? How many geniuses? How many, how many, you know, scholars, how many, you know, whatever, have been aborted? How many ministers, preachers, have been aborted? That's a lot of folks. Right? So, Isaiah 49, verse 1, is kind of like on the same lines. It says that you're called... It says, listen, O Isles, unto me, and hearken ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. So God has knowledge of a person, and a name is a personal identifier and a calling. He calls humans, doesn't call animals. I know people love their dogs these days, but dogs aren't called. Humans are called. And they're called from the womb. So before your mom and dad got together and conception took place, there was a calling on your life. Think about that. And then Psalm 139, the most... Look at all these descriptions of... A human, and they're known personally like any other person. They're described by personal pronouns, and they're known by God. Verse 13 says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. How many of you know me is a personal pronoun? It's not an it. It's not an appendage. It's not a tissue. It says, I will praise thee for I, that's that's a personal pronoun. How many of you know a personal pronoun is descriptive of a noun? And a noun is a description of a, what? Person, place, or thing. All right? It says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works that my soul knoweth right well. My substance, speaking of my body, was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect, and in thy book all my members were written. So all those... Baby parts that have been harvested. That's always a puzzle to me. Why would you want to harvest something that's not human? Why would they harvest the organs of something that they say is not human? And use those for humans. In thy books, all my members were written. Think about that. When I get a damaged part in my body, I say, Lord, I want a new part. A new part from the warehouse. Which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. In other words, they must have been in a warehouse before they came into the body. Doesn't that say that? They're all written down, recorded. They're going to go into this person here, he's going to be called John. In the mind of God. Think about that. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Every abortion hits the mind of God. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me! Every human being, every abortion is taking, hitting the thoughts of God. He knows every part of it. Think about that. My conclusion, it's wrong. Abortion is wrong, and it's evil to murder the unborn. And now in the state of New York, they've extended and expanded the... uh, initial Supreme Court ruling, Roe versus Wade, to now to late term. And uh, up to the d- day of the baby's birth. I can't be silent about that. I refuse to be silent to make people who are immoral feel good. small percentage of people that get an abortion are because of rape or incest. It's 1.5%. And the, the scary part about it is 7 out of 10 who get an abortion also report having a faith. So what is being heard in our churches that either whether they're Christian Catholic or whatever they they there's not enough barrier there to stop that and the majority of them happens out of wedlock so that's that means fornication so you have fornication and then we got we're going to cover the fornication with another sin Come on, folks. I think we've got to rethink this. God is for life. God is for protecting the innocent. Amen. And the most innocent among us is that child in the womb. We need to pray. God would grant our leaders and nation people repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Amen this is not